Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and my bulldog, Rodney, actually has the day off today because I'm joined by my special guest, Scott Tudor, as we discuss the icons of wrestling today with a true legend in the world of professional wrestling. So, Scott, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me, Ben. I am excited about this one. So, we are thrilled to welcome one of the true legends in the world of professional wrestling. This, this guest is one of the, the most amazing tag team wrestlers of all time and one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. He was instrumental in the rock and wrestling period of the 1980s, and we are thrilled to talk with him today about his career. He is a nine-time NWA World Tag Team Champion, uh, has held the gold in every promotion he's ever been in, and is one of the greatest baby faces in the world of professional wrestling. He is a WWE Hall of Famer and a true legend. Please welcome our special guest, Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express. Ricky, thanks so much for coming. Wow, man. Uh, Great intro. I'm just here (laughs) living the dream, baby. Exactly. (laughs) uh, Man, thank you very much for having me on your show today. Uh, Now, you're a lawyer, right? I am a lawyer. I'm a real estate lawyer, but I do this for fun. Well, oh, okay, (laughs) because I didn't know I was going to get you to help me sue Robert for trying to be a wrestler. No, I'm just kidding, man. Uh, you know what? Thank you guys for having me on your show. Hey, 38 years of being tag team partners with Robert. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't have had it no other way. Uh, me, him, both. We were just, you know, and I try to tell the young guys in the business, we was just at the right place at the right time, right when our business was changing. Yeah. Well, let's kind of talk about how you got into the wrestling business, because I know your dad uh, was in the wrestling business, and you've been in the business since, I guess, 1978. uh, You know what? I had my first match in 1976. Okay. Uh, But, you know, I uh, I worked at a book bindery, and and I didn't really want to be in the wrestling business, uh, because... Back when I grew up, my dad refereed. We pulled the wrestling ring. The wrestling wasn't like it was today. You know, your, uh, you know, your heel weighed five hundred pounds and was out of shape. Uh, the only good body back then anybody had ever wrestled was a guy named Lynn Rossi, mm-hmm. yeah, which he Her just man. passed away not too long ago. Uh, but but our business was different. It was really sacred, but but it wasn't like the the caliber of athletes that we have today in the business. And and then after working at a book bindery, we went on strike. And this is about the time when Memphis was really, really, ch- you know, they changed the face of professional wrestling in Memphis, Tennessee. I, I got to say that Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett, unbelievable guys. If, if you ever go back and watch some of the tapes, but see, tapes don't do our business justice in person does and I, I i got to say that i was one of the blessed people that got to be there in that area to watch this business explode from national guard armories uh to little bitty bingo halls to the big coliseums of the big civic centers and even to the superdome yeah, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Memphis because um, that's what Scott grew up on. 
Yep. Um, it was at Memphis Wrestling. He lived in Webster County, and they got that. Um, I got introduced for the NWA Georgia Championship Wrestling um, and Bill Watts's Mid uh, Mid South. Yep. Yes, you know what? Uh, that was back when you had territories too, and, and a lot of people. And I'm, I guess I'm just going to rant on here too. This is what I do, and, <laughs> and we're talking about the business, and I'm going to. You know, and, and your business is like, you know, your opinion talking about this business is just like my butt. Everybody's got one. You know, everybody has an opinion, but until, unless you were there, unless you understand, because I meet a lot of people that think they know everything in the world about my business. Oh, yeah. And truly, they don't know nothing. <laughs> it makes me laugh sometimes. Uh, to listen and you know, especially on social media, to see some of these comments these people come up with. And <laughs> it's really hilarious to me because man, you don't understand. It's say before you can do my business, you gotta understand it. And see, I grew up in the part of territories and and when I was telling you earlier, our business is being at the right place at the right time. But one thing, and they asked me, would you like for it to go back to territories? Well, hell no, I wouldn't. Uh, and the reason why is because normally a baby face owned the territory. And you sure wasn't going to get over him. <laughs> you hear me? It was all about him. It's not about you. Now, the Hills had great runs for about a year. You know, the Hills would come in and work with the top baby face and make a lot of money. And then they would leave and they would bring another one in. Yeah. You know, that's a good point because um, I was a big or I was a big fan of the fabulous Freebirds, and I guess that's how they rolled. They were in Mid-South for a while, then they went to World Class and worked with the Von Erics, and then they went to AWA, and it was extensive, like maybe two years or so. Yeah, well, you know what? Terry Gordy was one of the most underrated wrestlers, I think, ever in our business. You know, Terry started wrestling. So in our business – and the guys today uh, that if you wrestle, if you're out there, you grow up together in our business. You know, me, Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, Bobby Eaton, Dennis, uh, and I can name off a thousand more of them. But we all grew up in the business together. Maybe we'd be in the territory with each other. Maybe we walk. But see, another thing is, too, uh, that we grew up together. And this is, but, but they kayfabed. <laughs> Nowadays, you go in and watch these guys go over their match. Jesus Christ, that would talk for six hours yep. about their match. We never got to see the hill. So that's what made a good worker. A good worker could wrestle with anybody, mm. but a good worker could, uh, you know, could call it in the ring. And Terry Gordy was real good about that. Michael Hayes, you know, the last time I wrestled Michael Hayes, I, I don't know. Uh, I told Michael, so Mike, uh, tonight, I told him in the ring, I said, Mike, uh, tonight, before we start this match, just go ahead and hit me hard as you can. <laughs> and he goes, why? I said, because your working punch is going to put me in the hospital. <laughs> uh, you, I mean, you're hitting me hard as you can, these are not working punch. But, you know, I, 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 a great thing, man. I have a lot of great memories, a lot of things that, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to write a book, but. People and they ask me all about us. Guys, man, you just don't understand. Uh, Robert and I did a lot of stuff in this business <laughs> that that I don't know if it would 
people to understand these days. You know, a whole world was different. I'm just glad there wasn't social media back then. Yeah, but I didn't do nothing really bad. Don't get me wrong; I didn't do nothing uh, that bad. But it just wouldn't agree with today's times, I guess. Sure. Well, we've heard the the, the stories of Ric Flair and this uh, Piper and those guys, and it was it was a different time when you're traveling on the road from city to city every day, wrestling once, sometimes twice, maybe three times a day. So it's like you were. But, there. Uh, you know when I when I had my run. With Rick. Are you there? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, when I had my run with Ric Flair, dude, 17 days straight in a row, me and him did our time limit. But on Saturdays, so we did TBS early in the morning. Yep. Then you had a afternoon show. Then you had a night show. Mm-hmm. So that's three times. But now... Rick did, we did 17 rows, our time limit, but two on Saturday and two on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, this is every day. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, gosh, it was unbelievable, man. Uh, I feel myself lucky to be able to step in the ring with some of these greatest guys, greatest workers ever in the business. Because NWA, you know, Robert and I changed it when we, our business and – and it started when, when we went to Mid-South with Bill Watts. Uh, it's a difference between, and I hope you guys understand what I'm talking about, popping the territory. Yep. Absolutely. Dude, <laughs> we just, we set it on fire. And it was, it was a, to be there, to understand and, and, and to talk to some of these guys. And if you ever go back, you ever get a chance to talk to Ric Flair, just, he could tell you, man, about how I'm sorry, guys. I'm poking around. It's got back in the gym. My hair is still wet. My nose is running. Uh, but, but, uh, God, at that time, the mood we had, man, it was the greatest time, the greatest experience, I believe. And, and that the wrestlers today don't understand it. Well, when you what, think that what we did. That whole territory, when you, I guess you and Robert, were you guys put together as a rock and roll express? In Mid South, or was it Memphis with Jerry Lawler? Jerry Lawler put us together, and and I go ahead and tell you this whole whole scenario. I mean, it might take a minute, but it's all right. That's all right. Uh, you know, I was right, and, and my dad told me years ago. He's you know because I was starting in the business, and see, my dad was great. He was one of the smartest guys in the world, and he told me when I was breaking in the business, he says, "I'm going to tell you things that you're not going to understand." But one day it'll hit you. Right now, me talking to you, I'd be better off talking to that wall because you're never going to understand. It's like playing music. you got to find that magic. You know, you get the magic of the music in me, but Trump, or, or it's the magic of the business in me. And it took me a while to find that. But he told me, he says, uh, Ricky Tag Team Wrestling is going to pop one day. Uh, he said, our business is changing. You got to have them young baby faces. So what I did, uh, uh is I started teaming up with people and, and tell, you know, first of all, I started off with the, one of the, a guy named Sonny King. Uh, I don't know if you remember him or not. He was, uh, yeah. a big black wrestler out of Tampa, Florida, and he's still alive. And Sonny was so smart in this business. And he taught me 
you know, his side of the business and how you got to look at it. And this is the part about understanding. So I learned a little bit from him. And then I went to Oklahoma on my own. I left Memphis and, and went there and I needed a tag team partner there because the runs you were having there. And I brought Eddie Gilbert in and me and Eddie were partners, but see, that was good because Eddie started, but Eddie wasn't 17 years old. He couldn't get wrestling license in a lot of states. Wow. Uh, but we mostly wrestled in Oklahoma and Missouri. And at that time, you didn't handle athletic missions in the end. And, and me and him had good. But the greatest people I tell me, said, man, Ricky Morton, you're one of the greatest baby faces or the beta Gris baby face in the world. No, a guy named Ken Lucas. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Ken Lucas or not, buddy, but if you don't. And people that are listening to me out there, do a little history check. Go back and check out Ken Lucas. He was the greatest baby face I've ever seen in my life. And really, guys, I copied my style after him. So uh, we were in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, me and Ken Lucas were working for Joe Blanchard, which is Tully Blanchard's dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and him had a great run, buddy. We, and, and I'm telling you, being that young and, and being down there and working on top – and not only, you know, and I try tell people not only about Ken Lucas, but being at the right place at the right time. See, I come in down there, and, that, and, and that's when uh, Nick Bockwinkle was coming in and out, being the world heavyweight champion. But, he, yeah. he you know, he, he's worked with Scott Casey <laughs> every time he's been there. Yeah. So Bobby Heaton seen me wrestle with Ken Lucas, you know, a young baby face. So I got, and he hooked it up with me and Nick Bockwinkle. Why did I have a Broadways with him and see what an experience that was? Because I was a young kid. Right. Uh, go uh, and gosh, I, I learned so much. And and then Jerry Lawler come in, and this is a business. You see, uh, Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett, they uh, they owned. Uh, you know, Memphis wrestling and the fabulous ones. And I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm telling you, it wasn't a part of their work. It was a part about being over because if anybody goes back in the archives, you see Jackie Fargo, yep. buddy, he, he was the king. He was Elvis Presley of Memphis and wrestling business oh, and yeah. Nashville and all that. So they put Jerry Jarrett put, Stan Lane and Steve Kern together as the fabulous ones and did video and God, man, they was over. You <laughs> hear me? They were, they were over, but here we go again. Now, this is what I'm telling you about. Uh, you're not going to get over Jerry Lawler, no matter what you do. <laughs> you you hear me? Obvious. Yes. Oh, well, obvious. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying that's business. This is yep. his place. And, uh, uh, and, and in our business, dude, you can't fight City Hall. I don't care who right. you are. You cannot fight City Hall. That's true. So Jarrett and Lawler were fighting, and Lawler come down to Texas. He was wrestling, uh, I think, Scott Casey <laughs> that night or somebody. He come in to do a show. Jerry, what a hell of a worker he is, too, man. What a God he was. I mean, I, to say a lot, a lot of people that that owned territories. They were horrible. They were the shits, excuse my language, but yeah. Jerry Lawler was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I learned a lot from Jerry too. Uh, but what I'm saying is, uh, him and Jarrett were having problems because you know, the, 
the fabulous ones are trying to buck Jerry Lawler. And dude, you can't do that. I don't care who you are, even though you're that over. Yep. In our business, guys, I always remember you can always be replaced. Mm-hmm. And I don't care who you are. You can be replaced. Yep. So Lawler was going to go opposition to Jerry Jarrett. He, you know, he doesn't got a TV station. Uh, matter of fact, I think he was going to take over channel five. And that was the bread and butter. And I think Jerry Jarrett realized that. So, so Lawler come to, he talked to me, he said, man, I want to put a tag team together, a young tag team, like the fabulous ones. And that's what's the like to put you and Robert Gibson together because, you know, Robert was with his brother, but his brother was, was coming to the end of his halo. You know what I'm saying? He's, but they, but he was great. He's unbelievable. Ricky Gibson was a, for his time. He was unbelievable. Uh, so you all, I want to put you and Robert together. So needless to say, I'm going back home. I, I wanted to, I've been out in Texas for a while. Uh, I enjoy, don't get me wrong. I love that place. I, but I went back and by the, and two weeks later, when we got there, him and Jarrett made up because they knew there was a no win situation coming to the territory, fighting over this, who's going to get TV and that. And Steve Kern and Stan Lane really didn't understand that. Right. They still tried to book, but Robert and I, and this is at the time when all the territories were, this is when Vince Batman started going into everybody, nationwide yeah. TV. And brother, they had a big war. Uh, so all the promoters got together. And see, Bill Watts, Bill Watts was coming to the end of him working. Right. He was ready to retire, but he wanted a booker that didn't wrestle that couldn't push himself. You see, that's why he didn't have dusty roads in there. Uh, but, uh, so they had a big show in Memphis and me and Robert, we wrestled the, the nightmares that night, Ken Wayne and Danny Davis. Uh, and then the fabulous was on the show and they had a big meeting. And I never forget this, man. This is the greatest compliment I think I ever got in my life. The show was over and Jerry Jarrett and they had all, what What did you think about the shows over here? And Eddie Graham stood up. He says, I like the show and I like all the matches. But he said, those two kids right there, they come to get over. <laughs> uh, they're the greatest tag team. But Jarrett thought the fabulous ones were a lot better than us. But that's, that's fine. That's fine. And that's dandy. Uh, but because I skipped a part, but when Robert and I came to Memphis and we did, you know, we didn't have a name was, you know, they trying to find a name for us for gaming and uh, Jimmy Hart's with them. We was going to go with the, you know, the R and R express and Jimmy, Jimmy Hart goes, well, would you go to the rock and roll express? And I never forget. Jerry Lawler says, that's the most horrible name I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) But, we're going to go with it. We have nothing else. So we both. <laughs> oh, yes. We're going to go with it. We have nothing else. I can hear Lawler saying that. <clears throat> oh, yeah, man. You know, if, if you guys really know Jerry, 
he's hilarious, man. Yeah. I, he kills me, man. I'm, I'm around him, man. You're being floor. But then I got to say, dude, he's he's in the top five of the best workers ever in our business. He's fantastic. Um, yep. Just dude, he's a storytelling guy. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Well, no, I was just going to mention on Lawler. See, I, I, I was a big Kerry Von Eric fan growing up. So the first, my first exposure to Lawler was when him – with him going to fight Kerry in the battle of Tennessee versus Texas. Yeah. But man, his, he could get under the skin of those Texas fans with the, the way he can talk and just the work he did in WWE was amazing. Psychology. Yes. And, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to meet the line there. I, you know, we were, we're all in the business together. Holy shit. <laughs> Excuse my language. But right. Holy shit, man. You, <laughs> if I tell you stories, you wouldn't even believe me. But, <laughs> but let's get back to what I was saying. Uh, uh, Bill we'll Watkins. Ready to retire. On, on a separate episode. And what's that? <laughs> we could have a separate discussion on Kerry Von Eric on a separate episode. <laughs> oh, yes. It doesn't last for two days. Oh, wow. But what I, uh, but now, but when we went to Memphis and they made up and then we come over and they, Robert and I, he wrestling a tag team with his, with his brother, maybe with self. So, Cause I was looking for that. Robert and I had the greatest chemistry ever in the ring. Matter of fact, you know, the family said ones didn't even work on the shame. Some of the same shows we worked on because brother, we tore the house down. They were just over. Mm, People right. come to see them with the girls, Robert and I, and I'm not trying to think because Stan Lane, I drew a lot of money with Stan Lane with the Midnight Express because yeah. Stan, they were exceptional workers. But you have to know your place in this business. So at that time, I was telling you that Bill Watts was looking for something and something different. And, and at that time, Jared was shooting videos with the music videos, like on MTV. Mm-hmm. And this really got over in our wrestling business. And you got to stop to understand now. When Robert and I went in to Louisiana, because, you know, Bill Watts, and he heard that. Bill Watts asked us if uh, we'd be interested in coming to Louisiana. So him and Jarrett made a deal that we'd go there for six months. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they, and they shot our videos and showed them for three. Now, us going into there now, you talking about a shock to the wrestling world. You see, Bill Watts, big man. So you had to be a big man to wrestle for him. He didn't like little guys. And the reason why he didn't like little guys is because he was a big guy. He was the top baby face and you wasn't going to get over him. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think the top baby face when Robert and I went to go in there was Abdul the Butcher. <laughs> okay. Now you got to, your daughter wants to go see Abdul the Butcher. I don't think so. Uh-oh. But the reason why is because Bill Walsh was a big baby face. He turned Abdullah baby face because he's got another big heel coming in for Bill Watts to wrestle, but he got to get that heel over by beating Abdul the Butcher. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. That's how that works in that situation. Uh, they shot videos of us and sent them in there, but it, dude, uh, and, and it's nothing better at that time in 1985 
uh, if you read, you know, you, you got to keep up what's going on in the world. The Russians. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit, they hated them. Uh, and if you remember back in Nick Gula's days, and if you're from, I don't know how old you are, fella, but out of Nashville, but, you know, years ago, yeah, it was, you know, the the real heavenly bodies was Don and Al Green. Yeah. And, and, and they had their run with the, uh, with the Germans. Yeah. You couldn't get no more heat than the Germans. <laughs> you're and right. Tojo Yalamoto. Yes, sir. Being from Japan. Yep. You see what I'm saying? That gosh, he hated them. And yep. that was the best stuff, the gimmicks in the world now. Uh, but they shot them videos on us. And it, it said it was a shock to the world. Now, they're showing all this right here. And, and, and me and Robert, we're, we're rock stars, dude. That's right. Uh, I remember our first day in Louisiana. It was in Lafayette, Louisiana. And, and we got there about, you know, you had to be there an hour early. It was Bill Watson's rules. But Robert and I always got to the shows early. I'm telling you, dude, the line was wrapped all the way around the building and down the road. Uh, we got out. The, they had the news crew in front of us. We, we want to know who y'all are. And we're telling them we're trying to give them things. They says, no, you don't understand. People was camped out here for two weeks to get tickets to two see weeks. you guys. <laughs> Holy cow. And it's wow. never happened before. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, we went from like Bill Watts from, from wrestling in his regular little towns to the big buildings. Right. Uh, attendant records, you know, and, and you got to understand at that time you didn't have all the laws you have now, uh, dude, they put as many people in buildings that you could ever imagine. I, I know that Robert at that time, it, and please, I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not, not sit here, pat myself on the back. I'm just telling you the truth. Dude, we broke ever, ever Elvis Presley record. There was, we broke them, shattered them to pieces, but see, not only when we get there, but that was every week. Mm -hmm. So right. take for instance, and, and we're going to think about right now. Okay, WWE comes to your town maybe once a year. Okay. Yep. And they don't sell out. <laughs> and they got billions, I mean, and they have millions and millions of dollars in advertisement invested into their crew. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once a year, and it still ain't sold out. Dude, we sold it out every week. Yeah. And now, do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Exactly. Because one thing about it, you're exactly right on WWE. Um, unless it's a Raw or a SmackDown, you know, assuming when times were normal, they would sell out those out. But I, I live maybe 45 minutes east of Orlando, so they're there a lot, Daytona a lot. When I went to Daytona, it was a decent crowd, but it wasn't packed. And those stories I heard from Mid-South, they wrestled Superdome. So, like, right. y'all were selling out the Superdome. Yeah. But when we didn't sell out the whole Superdome, what we did, they, they put it, you know, because Superdome, you know, holds 90,000 people just in the seats. Mm -hmm. But what we did was cut it in half. You hear right. me? Mm -hmm. And right. then you had the ring, you had the seats on the floor. Uh, I know uh, – when Robert and I met the Midnight Express there, 
we did forty, and then and then when we wrestled the Road Warriors, it did. We had forty thousand uh, yeah. people in there, and dude, that's unheard. That's what I'm, I'm telling you. That was on so closed circuit TV too. Yeah, and that's what started your pay per views. I'm, I'm serious; it really did uh, because of, of that going on. But it, I mean, it, it 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 ain't what's it's what set the first step for pay-per-views to get to where we were going. Uh, I mean, the auditorium, we were, you know, we wrestled New Orleans every Monday night mm-hmm. and you wrestle downtown at the auditorium or the Coliseum. I forgot what they called it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, and it sold out every, every Monday night. I, I, yeah, and that, that reminds me, I'm a squirrel. I'm jumping from limb to limb, but <laughs> we good. get back to the free birds. Yeah, and this is what I never. Yeah, I, so you had Buddy Roberts, Michael Hayes, and Terry Gordy, and you know, and I don't know, Michael and Terry. I mean, they <laughs> funny. They're crazy. I mean, you got to understand, they're crazy. Uh, we finally had a Sunday off, and in Louisiana, I don't know if you're in the summertime there. It's Hotter than hell, dude. Yeah. God almighty. And on that Saturday night, I think we were in Tupido, Tipido, Louisiana or somewhere. And Terry Gordy found a dead possum <laughs> out behind, oh, no. the, behind the building. <laughs> and, and at that time, a good wrestling bag was a Holliburton. Yeah. And, and they were aluminum. They were air sealed. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but he never washed his clothes or nothing, you know, I don't know. But Terry put that possum in his bag and shut it down. And he locked it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and buddy, he, you know, the next day it's hundred degrees. It's gotta be 300 degrees in the trunk of that car. You know, he throws his bag in the trunk of the car, shuts the thing down. He forgets about it. You understand me? It's not leaking. Uh, we go into, we're at the Superdome. I mean, not Superdome, but the auditorium or, or the Coliseum, whatever the name was. And it's big place. And Buddy opened that Holland Burton up and it stunk out the buildings five blocks down. I ain't kidding you. I have never <laughs> smelled nothing that horrendous in my oh life. My Look at here. The manager of this building lost his mind. <laughs> Bill Watts, a lot, he find everybody. You oh know, I said, I everybody. Here. And, and I'm serious. You guys just don't even understand, man. It stunk the whole building out. <laughs> and, and look here, and it's got maggots and oh, all this stuff all over it. Look here, and Buddy just gets it out, gets his tights. Washes it off, puts them right on. Oh uh, my God! Yeah, you know, I feel bad uh, for his opponents. <laughs> that's the first time I ever seen Bill Watts turn bipolar. I never forget <laughs> that man. It was un unbelievable. But that's the way it it did. I mean, we the, the territory it just blasted it out. Yep. And see that, and then Ric Flair was coming in. Matter of fact, working with Kerry Von Erich. You know, Kerry was, he wasn't in the territory. He was, you know, they had their own territory up there and Dallas, but Kerry was over because, you know, he coming in back and forth and Flair was coming in and Flair seen that's at the time we didn't had our run with the, the Russians. And that's when they brought the Midnight Express in and holy shit. 
you know, the greatest heel. You know what? It, and, and I promise you, this will go down in history. Uh, the feud, the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express. Right. That'll go history, buddy. Yeah. Uh, uh, I know. I, I I don't know one that's ever topped it. Great. And, uh, no, I'm serious, man. Uh, oh, yeah. I've never seen, you know, Jimmy Cornette had so much heat. I watched him <laughs> get his butt so many times that he'd learn to fight. Yeah. Uh, riots, uh, you know, uh, and even in, uh, you know, uh, in New Orleans uh, every Monday night, it, it was funny because, you know, Junkyard Dog was a big deal there. Yes. And, uh, and I, I never forget I'm wrestling and dog would tell me, he says, listen, in your match tonight, if the people get quiet, watch it. Cause they're going to come through the ropes. You're going to have a rot. Boy, they're getting the heat on me and they're screaming, rock and roll. And all of a sudden it's what, it wasn't a noise. And I'm in the ring all of a sudden, <laughs> the whole, the whole damn E section come in the ring on Bobby and Dennis and Ooh. Cornette and, and look, look here, and Cornette got his butt. Well, he learned how to fight. <laughs> he got tired of getting his butt whooped every night. I ain't lying, man. I, I imagine. The craziest thing you've ever seen. Uh, but what did it, man, I wouldn't trade it for nothing, though. You know, I think that feud, the reason why it was so, such an amazing feud is it's really a perfect scenario for a wrestling match. You had four guys who could flat work, which is important. You had mm-hmm. you as an over baby face. I mean, I remember watching wrestling matches on TV and even on YouTube when you and Robert were literally having to hold on to the security guy to keep the women from pulling you guys off. Yeah. So it was like if they're beating up Ricky Morton, those women are upset. <sighs> and Jim Cornette is the perfect heel to stir the pot and get those people mad. Yep. God, I hate I hated those girls getting on me like that. I, I bet I you did. did. <laughs> hey, listen, I, you know, uh, I never forget in in Memphis. It's when they first broke Jimmy in the bit. You know, Jimmy Cornell was a photographer around the ring. Yep. You think people hate him now? They <laughs> really hated him then. Uh, I'm talking about the boys. <laughs> you, <Yep>. know? <laughs> uh, you know, you know, because Jimmy he's out there, but I love him no matter what. Right. We don't agree on everything, uh, but I'll never forget Jerry Jarrett. We were in Louisville, Kentucky. And that's where Jimmy's home was. And Jimmy, and I never forget, Jerry, Jerry Jarrett told him, says, if you can get as much heat with the fans as you do the boys and me, he said, we're going to make a million dollars. And that's <laughs> where it started. Yep. You know, oh, God, he got he, You know, you, a verbal fight with Jimmy Cornette, just go ahead and tap out because you're not going to win. Yep. Uh, uh, so, uh <laughs> That's just the way it was. I mean, it was a great thing. And, and the people that see, and I got to say this, because when we moved on, you know, I was telling you, Flair seen us. Uh, he went back to Jimmy Crockett. Because uh, Jimmy, that's right when they were bringing Dusty in the book. Jimmy Crockett got TVS. And uh, the greatest thing, never forget this too, dude. The greatest person I have, I've met a lot of people in this business, buddy. Uh, a lot of great people, any, every rock star you probably could ever imagine, uh, this, but the greatest man 
that I ever met in my life was Muhammad Ali. I mean, you just yeah. could not believe what his presence and his knowledge and even in the box world of what he brought. But that night, we're in the Superdome. And uh, we had a little thing going with uh, Ted DiBiase and, and Dr. Death Steve Williams. All right. Uh, and we're in the Superdome. But Muhammad Ali is there that night. He was a special referee. Uh, that's what I was saying when he came into the into the corner. But at, we're in the dressing room, and my, Muhammad Ali is sitting in the floor with my oldest son now, playing cars. My little he, my boy wasn't but like two years old then. He was sitting in the floor playing. Muhammad Ali walks in. Everybody runs to him to shake his hand. He just bypassed them all, sitting right before. And he got to talking to me and Robert, and then looking around and. He was a knowledge and who all was in there. But I noticed a little man that was just standing over there in the corner. And I, I noticed him in the dressing room and, and everybody come out. And when they, then everybody left because Muhammad Ali went and everybody followed him out. And I'm sitting there and this little man walked over me, says, hello, I'm a, I'm Jimmy Crockett. I own NWA. He says, I've heard Ric Flair talk about y'all and talk about y'all. He said, I thought I'd come tonight and see what he's talking about. Because I'm fixing to open up. I got Dusty coming in as Booker and this and that. And here, I, uh, so, uh, Jim, and, and, and that, and that Superdome, you could see that we're on Sabbath there. And I seen, uh, I seen Ted DiBiase, and I said, Ted, I said, Ted, just between me and you, I said, Jimmy Crockett just come up to me and said, he come to see us wrestle tonight. He says, uh, we're going to give him something to see, too. God, man, you ever walked out there with 40,000 people in there screaming rock and roll? And with that big curtain in the middle of the Superdome, it's so loud. Robert's standing next to me, you can't hear a word he's saying. Wow. And you know, I'm serious, buddy. It's a, hey, man, let me ask you something. The lawyer here got my, you know, you buy me of. Who's that? <laughs> you look like Dutch Mantel when he was young. Dutch and I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, man. Dirty I Dutch. Mean, not, does he remind you of it? He, I mean, yeah, he does a little bit. And you know, Dirty Dutch lives right over here in Murfreesboro. Oh, he moves. Sometimes I do. Oh, did he? Yes, I get Chuck Norris a little bit, but I never thought Dutch Mantel because Dutch Mantel is one of the hairiest wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, I, I told him one time, I said, Matt, because he, he was in Vietnam, and I told him, I says, when you was in Vietnam, they must have alcyoned you and super glued a throw rug on you. He's the most, <laughs> look here, man. He's a, I'm serious. He, no, I'm just talking about the beard and the glasses yeah. and that hair. Yeah, it's not exactly. Dutch is a god man, was he a great worker too. Uh, yep. In his prime, dude, him and Ken Lucas, you know, Dutch was a great heel, guys. And I loved him in Memphis. Boy, loved me him too. in Memphis. Yes, but uh, to getting back what I was saying to, to you, see, that's being at the right place at the right time. Our business was changing. Yep. And Dusty Rhodes do that too. See, because Dusty come out of Florida, and I can't really blame him because you got to understand when a Booker has things in his mind that he wants to do to shoot angles. What he knows what's in his mind and it's not too many guys know how to do it. 
I was, you know, and I, you know, I talked to, to Dustin's, Dustin's son's grand, you know, uh, daughter, but it was Dusty's granddaughter. And I did a podcast with her mm-hmm. and she told me, she says, Ricky Morton, I, I asked my grandpa one time, she said, I had to ask him this. She says, who was the greatest baby face of all time? He went, Ricky Morton. <laughs> it's a great thing, but understand me. It wasn't all peaches and cream. That's what happened there. Uh, uh, you can't fight city hall. Uh, I, it's tremendous of what I learned in the business from Dusty Rhodes. Mm. See, because I was that baby face that understood the angles that he wanted to do and how to get them over. And if you notice, I'm not trying to be mean here. Every angle was every shot was with me. And the reason why is because I put every effort into it. It's like today, you know, I'm 64 years old and I'm fixing to leave here to go to work here. I got to wrestle tonight. You got to wrestle tonight. Oh, yes, buddy. I'm in, uh, I'm in, uh, oh, I'm in uh, Gilbert, West Virginia. And I, I'm 64 years. I'm still in my prime, fella. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's why I'm at the gym every morning. Me and my son. I have my son that's coming up. I don't, you might have seen him, Kerry Morton. Yep. He's uh, the greatest thing in the world. But he's got, he got a four-year scholarship, college. He made the dean's list. <laughs> and we're going to get our education before we do any backdrops. But no, I mean, but it's him learning the business because the, this business, you never learn it. I've been doing it for 46 years. I have a wrestling school, guys, and if you're ever interested, called School of Morton. Mm-hmm. I have a YouTube show that comes on every Sunday at 5.05 Eastern Time. Now it's backed up tapes because I went back seven weeks, but I start back live again on January 3rd, which is, what, two weeks? Yeah, that's your uh, podcast, right? This yes, and I listen to this, I listen to the podcast. You know, all, but I'm talking about. I have a YouTube show from oh, my wrestling school that comes on every week, five oh five. Okay, now it's a show from my school of Morton. I'm sorry, I might I might have got confused. I might have jumped the gun there, but talk. But every it's on School of Morton. It's a a YouTube wrestling show, and dude, I have a hundred thousand viewers to watch this. And do you know what I do? I put the heat on the heels. Now put the heat on the heels. I've been uh, nine-time world tag team champions, but in the business, see a baby face don't want to be the champion. People pay their money to see you beat the heel, and the heel always screws you. <laughs> uh, the people don't pay the money to see you lose the belts. Mm. You, do you hear me? They pay to see you win them. Right. That's what people don't understand, and this is what Dusty taught me. Uh, see every Monday, me by myself. Uh, because we did TV on Tuesdays, uh, I went to the office and sat down and Dusty would explain to me the angles that you wanted to do. Who were we going to this? Uh, see, this is great. See, it's like at my school. When I get there, when I start back live on the third, because I went back seven weeks on my tapes, you see, I'm not thinking about today's TV show. I'm thinking about next week. Mm-hmm. Because I got to tell the story for next week. I still have a lot to offer this business. I, if I ever get a chance, but it's the same thing, the right place at the right time is I like to 
work for one of the bigger companies in the back. And and the reason why is because I watched today's wrestling. Uh, and it's and, and I'm glad they have billion dollars sponsors like Fox Network because their product is horrible. They have a lot of talent, but they don't know how to use it. Uh, you turn on TV, everybody looks alike. Mm-hmm. I ain't sure. Everybody looks alike. Uh, and they dress alike, just different colors. Uh, you you got to learn how to build these characters, and, and you got to learn how to make it make what they do. It is not about a hot spot. And, and I was telling you this earlier. You know, I I, I watch everything, and I, and I go to the matches, and I try to. I do a lot of seminars, guys. I do, I have a heck of a seminar because. Even though I don't, I don't bring 1985. I bring 1985 to 2020 because our business has changed. You know, it's not go to you know, grab the left arm, man. You watch some of these guys in Mexico, man. They can lock your right ear. <laughs> you see, <I'm, laughs> but they're great doing it. Yeah. So you have to, you have to get some guys to do it right. It's a, and and everybody forgets about that. You know, it's not this way. It's not that way. See, a great worker, I was telling you earlier, can work with anybody. And see, that's what made me big. You know, when you're a worker, you have one style and you want to do it. You want to do your high spots. But trust me, when I wrestled Bobby Eaton, it was a whole different match when I wrestled Abdullah the Butcher. Right. You see, I had to adjust myself to Abdullah. And that's what guys don't understand today. That's why they don't have good matches with them because you can't expect your big heel to change his gimmick. What do you think Abdullah is going to leapfrog me and do the Alabama jam off the top rope? <laughs> Jesus. You know, you have to learn how to work, and that's what they don't know. Right. And, you know, that's why I have my wrestling school, School of Morton. Check it out sometimes, guys. It's really, really great. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that because – WWE just recently sent down some of their big guys like Lee and Otis to do work. And that's one of the criticisms I have of modern wrestling now. There are very few guys that can work. There are more actors out there. But there right. then you have some guys like Cesaro who can work. The um, FTR the tag team, I think they're pretty good workers. But it's like I like the wrestling part of it, not necessarily the acting. Right. Well, you see that, but you see talking. That's one thing I want my son to get his education about, which is already good. He's an actor anyway, man. Well, that's going to help that's him. What he, you well, that's what talking. he does. He's an actor anyway. But uh, but that's what he went to school for. But what I'm trying to say to you is it's the little things. See, the little things in our business, when you learn all the little things, that makes the big things. Uh, yeah. You go to shows, man. I, I was at a place not long ago. The guy asked me, he says, uh, Hey, I want you to watch these matches and, and tell me what you think. And, and we're at a big civic center and they got the thing. And man, I sit down and the first match come out. And I tell you here in a minute, the first spot they did before they even got entered, uh, he done suplexed the guy off the top rope. Okay. I get up and I let, I'm walking by. He goes, where you going? And I says, <laughs> I'm going to have me a beer, man. That's what I hear. This is, <laughs> I can't watch this. It's it, it, it really makes my ass want to dip red band. 
because they don't know. Mm-hmm. And the bad part about it is, is they think they know. Right. And it just take time. And gosh, it, if it just stopped, see, before you could do my business, you got to understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm hoping that I can teach that to some of these kids. I, that's why I want to go to one of the bigger companies. And, but, you know, but it's not in there, you know, there, you know, no, I'm not on a computer typing what I did that day. No, I can't do that. I can't go into a company and walk on crackers. Yeah. You hear me? Uh, right. No. I mean, I got to go do what I do and, and, and that's what I do best. Mm-hmm. I take a lot of people that, uh, that sit down and, and see a lot of guys that you don't even understand that we help train in this business, but we didn't do it at a wrestling school. We did it in the rink, bunch of them, Dr. Dusty Williams, uh, you know, um, even Kane, Kane wrestled in Smoky Mountain, uh, you know, as, uh, as the Unabomber, Glenn Jacobs, which is yep. the mayor down here in Knoxville now. Yeah. But we, he worked with Robert and I all, every night. Gosh, man, we, you know, and he'd tell you that we taught him a lot, you know, just by being in the ring. And that's what the guys in our business, I don't know. It, it just lets me know where you going to when we do open back up. When this coronavirus is over, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go to? Where are you going to with your guys? Because right now what I see is absolutely nothing. Yeah, let me ask you about, um, you did a lot with NWA with uh, the Billy Corgan version. And, yes. Um, of course, Tag Team Champions. And I, I really liked that studio show they had. Um, it was called NWA Power. They would show it on Yes, sir, buddy. Days. Um, it's still there. Well, they have another one. I think it's NWA um, Showcase or something that just started. But what are, your, what are the plans for that organization? Um, well, it- you know, I, I stay in touch with them, guys. You know, the Atlanta shut down. You know, yeah, host, yeah. you know, and, and 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 this is the whole part of, of Billy's show is going back to the old days. You do it in Atlanta, you do it at the TV station. It's set up like the old TV station, so you can't move it. Right. He don't want to move it. Uh, as soon as Atlanta opens back up, I promise you, NWA Power will open back up. I just really like, enjoyed the show. There's some good wrestlers in there too. But he has some great talent in there, and 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 which I liked about uh, you know uh, I know a lot of things happen in personal lives there that's none of my business, but I believe they're going to get right back on track again. Yeah. Uh, so let and me I hope you know they let me they let me do a few things there in the back, and I liked that you know some of the matches. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you. Um, Talk about your feud with the Horsemen and uh, Tully and Arn as a tag team and Ole and Arn as a tag team because that was some uh, great matchups between the Rocket and Roll Express and those guys. You know what? I, I heard Steve Austin's one of his podcasts not long ago. I was driving. I was listening to it. And I forgot who he was talking to. But they, but Steve asked a question. He asked back. He goes, Steve, what is your, do, do you have a favorite match you ever watched? He says, God, that's right off the bat. That was the Rock and Roll Express against Odley and Arn Anderson. <laughs> He's in the greatest match I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, to t- you know, it's here we are. You know, Robert and I are the, are the world champions. We see it. It's time to move on. We finished our feud with the with the Midnight Express. 
Tully and Arn were the that. But see, and, and I had a guy not long ago, and I'm not skip. I'm trying to tell you how we things move on. You know, we're doing our thing with with Tully and Arn, then Ole and Arn, which you got the four horsemen. And guy, we went through a lot of four horsemen. So not not so much, you know, Ole, not so much. I mean, Arn, Tully, and Flair always stayed there. But then you had Ole, you had Lex Luger, you had Barry Windham, you know, you had a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. So this angle went on and on. Uh, but it led into a lot of different things. And this is what I was telling you earlier, what I learned so much from Dusty. At this time in our business, you know, somebody asked, said a comment of the day that when I did my flare thing, it's when Robert got hurt. No, 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 no. They got it all backwards. They were grooming Magnum TA to be the world champion. They were, they were grooming Magnum uh, to that. And Magnum had a car wreck, broke his neck, paralyzed him. Yeah. Well, see everything that they had based on it, Dusty had wrote for the next year with that angle. It's totally gone. It's abolished. Uh, and for some reason, I was wrestling in a single match in which I did all my that, but Flair watched it. And he told Dusty, he said, I need to do the angle with him. Uh, he needs to take. So the guys out there that think that Robert got hurt. Uh, <laughs> and then I took, I went with Flair. No. Robert got hurt later on. That's why I joined the York Foundation. That's what I was going to ask was, you later. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. when Robert got hurt. And, uh, I'll tell you guys a story. You might have heard this. You might have tell me say this before. Uh, and the way that come about, too, is this is by this time now, it's got WCW. It's got corporate. Everything It's just lost its mind. And uh, we're in Knoxville, Tennessee at a show and uh, Robert was real quiet over there in the corner. And this is how I take care of my people. You hear me? Mm-hmm. I asked Robert, what's wrong with you? He goes, Oh, I got hurt last night. So I waited everybody <laughs> left the room and I walked over and I said, now, I said, now what happened to you? I said, hell you didn't even get in the ring last night. <laughs> you know, I busted, you know, and he told me his first wife, Sherry ran over him in the car. All right, and he pulled his pants down, and I've never seen anything that ugly. He knee and uh, couldn't move. I says, all right. Now, we're, now we, that night we wrestled Butch Reed uh, and Ron Simmons, and, and we're already lost in the shuffle. You know, you, you got guys that then took over WCW that has no clue what they're doing, signing themselves to multi-million dollar contracts that don't know whether to wind their ass or scratch or watch in my business. And it really, really made me mad because all I wanted was a job. You know, I never had a contract. Oh, really? In wrestling business. No, I never had one. My biggest year was, it was $120,000. And that's why I want my son because I, and it's my own fault because I wasn't educated enough to know. And, uh, I was just being a dumbass. But what I'm getting to is I told Robert, I said, when Butch and Ron go to the ring, I said, when me and you 
go to the ring. I said, be behind me. I'm going to take off running. I'm going to get the people's attention. I'm going to go up and get them all hollering rock and roll. And I says, get your ass to the ring, get up on the side of the apron. And, uh, I'm, you know, and I'm doing my thing. Don't I even pay attention to him. He gets on the side of the apron. I says, I'm going to start the match off, do my thing. And when I do, and when I tag you, come through the rope and fall. I take, he said, what am I doing? I said, I take care of it. And he did. And when he come in, I tagged him, he fell. And I went, God, did you hear his knee pop? That's mind over matter. Mm-hmm. Hell, next thing I know, I even got the people on the front row. God, y'all hear his knee pop? You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So that's WCW, yes, corporate company then. Uh, right, he got hurt in the ring. Dude, they sent him to Alabama, University of Alabama with the best knee surgeon in the world. They reconstructed his whole leg, mm-hmm. paid him $2,000 a week. And here I am, stuck with nothing. That, and that's where, and Dusty, and which is cool, you know, Dusty come back to be the booker. And he stuck me with, you know, he asked me some, <laughs> I, I, you know, you're lost. You're, you're scrambled eggs. We have nothing for you. I says, he said, he, he said, do you, do you want to turn heel and be the York foundation? And I said, yeah. So then when Robert came back, just at the time uh, we had our, after a year, he came back and, Maybe you know what? Me and Terry got over pretty good too. They just didn't give us the push. Uh, I beat Robert on a pay per view, and me and him both left the next day and went to Smoky Mountain wrestling. <laughs> okay, yeah. yep. we started in Smoky Mountain for Jimmy Cornette. How, how did you like being a heel because you were so over as a baby face? I mean, you're doing a complete turn. Um, what, buddy? It's it's knowing our business. Mm-hmm. It's not the part about me liking being a heel. It's part about I had a job. Okay. Yeah. Right. But it, it's what you make out of it. You know, I, I was wrestling a guy about three weeks ago somewhere, which some little place. He goes, hey, listen, uh, when I go to the ring tonight, some of the people will probably cheer me. I said, you're the heel? He said, yeah. I says, they're going to cheer you because you want them to. Yeah. If you don't want them to, then I'm going to cheer you. Mm-hmm. And that's what did everything. And uh, then one of the best people, you know, guys, that's what I got. Rick Flair, and I say this for Rick, uh, but he gave you your money's worth. If you ever watched him back in the days, and I mean, Rick never went under 50 minutes in a match. If you didn't go an hour, you went 50 minutes with him. Yeah. I was uh, and in the Carolinas, man. He was a god. You uh, you hear me? Yeah. And even though I'm Ricky Morton, and the and this is a great example because Rick would change him. But Philadelphia was the biggest hill town ever in our business. You know, those people don't even like ice cream. You know, they're <laughs> they're the. I, I I don't know if it, and <laughs> I just don't know. But I'm wrestling Rick. I mean, Rick are going to do an hour with Civic Center there in uh, uh, in Philly. 
you know, more like play Rick's music, you know, God Almighty. And then they play mine, and I don't care who you are. You suck, my bad. You know, they throwing shit at you. That's every baby face. You hear me? Yeah. This is how good Rick is. We are going to be an hour. Now, 10 minutes into the match, Ricky has turned in people. Dude, I'm telling you, I mean, he doesn't got them when they're doing that quiet stuff. Oh, no. The guardrails, they pushed them all the way up to the ring. <laughs> you hear me? Mm. Okay. Arn Anderson, I seen Arn come down because he knew. Then I seen Robert come down and boom. And, and uh, he says, uh, Ricky, I'm going to do a spot here and throw you over the top rope, but start nailing Arn and have Robert for the people who could watch you before I can get out this back door. Mm -hmm. I mean, out of the back <laughs> because they were going to, he said, man, they're going to kill me. Yeah. And they were, but they was, I mean, uh, you see, do you understand about now? You just asked me how do I like being a heel? Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I like being a heel. If I can do it right. You see what I'm saying? Right. If you have that, see, that's how good Ric Flair was. He knew his role. He knew my role. Within, I'm telling you guys, 15 minutes in that match, when we posted to go an hour, he'd have you throw me off the top rope because it's going to kill him. <laughs> and and that's the people in Philly that hate everything. They hate everybody. They hate themselves. Right. You know, it's the that dumbest thing in the world. All right, fellas, what's up? All right. Hey, one question, because uh, I know we're we're getting close to the time I promised you about. I have to ask you about the Rogue Warriors. Because, you know, a legendary team, um, we just lost Animal this year, and you hear so many good things about how he was an amazing guy. Can you talk about yes. them? Yes, buddy. I, uh, I you know, when, when I first met Mike and Joe, the Road Warriors, they were off TBS. This is when I wrestled for Bill Watts. We didn't have the chance because Bill Watts was really strict, but you couldn't talk to the baby faces and heels. Uh, I know they're off TBS and they're beating everybody up. <laughs> and we're in an eight-man tag elimination match with the Road Warriors. Uh, now, listen, Louisiana is my territory. Mm -hmm. Louisiana, me and Robert have done popped this territory and we have packed it. Now, Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy were in that match. Uh, it was the Dirty White Boys, me and Robert and the Road Warriors, okay? These guys are known for beating people up, being stiff, being this and being that. Uh, and I'm back there in the back, you know. Uh, if, if, if it's going to take getting my ass whooping, not, it's something that I got to take. Because this is my territory, you hear me? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that match, I never forget. Joe and uh, Terry Gordy started it off. Holy shit! They were stiff. They were hitting each other, popping, pow, pow, cross the back, cross the back, boom. They're doing all this stuff. <laughs> 
Terry comes over and tags me. <laughs> There's 40,000 people and these people, and I'm going, oh, shit, so I got to go. I tits up, and I come in, and all of a sudden, Joe goes. He, he stops me. He goes, I shoot you off up the clothesline, hit me with a drop kick. Then when Mike comes in, hit him with the drop kick, right? Mm-hmm. Shoots me off. I do. I hit him with the drop kick. He goes over the top rope. Uh, Hawk comes in at him with the drop kick, and he goes over the top rope. Here I am standing in the ring, my finger up my ass, going, boy, am I a dumb son of a bitch. These guys can work. They want to. Yeah. Uh, you see what I'm saying? And they yep. knew. They were very, very dear friends of mine. My birthday is on September the 21st. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe's anniversary was on September the 22nd. That weekend, we're going to be in Jackson, Tennessee for Jerry Lawler's big show he had. Uh, Joe called me on Monday, sang me happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Joe's my (laughs) friend. The next day is his anniversary, and I kept telling him he wasn't going to get none. (laughs) Just He's my buddy. You understand me? We're playing. Hug the phone up. No, no, he... Before you hung the phone up, he says, Ricky, I love you. Happy birthday. And I see you this Saturday. I said, Joe, I love you. And you still ain't going to get nothing tomorrow night. <laughs> hung the phone up. He died in his wife's arms the next night. Yeah. Uh, Terrible. Yes, it is. Joe was my friend. You know, and and, and a, lot of, a lot of people don't even understand. You see these guys wear these Ribera Steakhouse jackets from Japan. Yep. And that they're really cool. Well, Joe made them. He owns the company that makes them. And really? everybody tell me, man, go to Japan, get me a Rivera Steakhouse. I'll soon, well, just get a hold of Joe. He makes some, he'll sell you one. <laughs> you know? And I got every color in there. Joe, all, every show that I was on, that Joe was going to be on, he always brought me Zubox or a Rivera Steakhouse jacket, huh? Those were the pants, right? Yes, man. Because yeah. he, you know, he still had a big, still had a percentage in it. Yeah. Oh, he brought me all kinds of them, man. I, I still got them in there. I put them up because because they Joe gave them to me. Right. Well, when he passed away, Scott and I did a tribute to the Hawk and Animal because they were just such a revolutionary team. I mean, these big guys who could actually move. And you know, when you had yes. guys, the Midnight Express, the Horsemen, the Road Warriors, you had Doom, the Russians in there. That was just tag team gold. Yes, it, it was the era. See, that's what my daddy told me. He said, son, tag team wrestling is fixing to do it. And it did. Yeah. It really did. It's the greatest thing I had, the greatest experience I ever had, guys. Uh, I met a lot of friends in this business. Yeah. I've lost a lot of friends. Right. Uh, I just, uh, I'm just thankful for every day. You know, and I'm, I'm really thankful because I'm 64 years old and I can still entertain. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it ain't what you do in the ring. It's what you don't do. Yeah. I can tell from a mile away just by you walk, stepping in the ring. If you know what you're doing, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're a good worker, if you're not a good worker, right. but listen, uh, but, uh, if we back around in Nashville, uh, uh, I'd love for you to come down and see us Absolutely. or see me, uh, Robert and I, you know, I'm 64 years old, and the Rock and Roll Express has got to hang them up sometimes. 
Right. But until we do, I want to tell all the fans, come out and see us. Because one thing that I do that I learned is I still give you your money's worth. I can still do the Canadian Destroyer. I can still do the Hurricane Corona. I still do the dive out of the ring. But I do it my way. <laughs> That's right. I'm hoping that my son, I'm hoping that my son, uh, I want him to get his education, but he's going to be a big thing in our business because he's been going with me like I did my dad ever since I was a young kid. I definitely thank wanna, you, gentlemen, for wanna, having me on guys, your show. Go ahead. Go I ahead. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Um, I also want to thank Kerry because I coordinated everything with him and he was great to work with. But yes, man, it's just our honor to have you on the show. You're a true legend in the world of professional wrestling and tag team. And we just appreciate you taking the time to be on our show. Man, thank you, buddy, very much. And uh, Ricky, I do want to say one thing to see if uh this rattles your memory. Uh Oh, Wednesday night at the Coliseum, Evansville, Indiana. Dude, the, the War Memorial Building. You better believe it. Uh, and it, see, that's what, when you work territories, and this is back in the Lawler days, guys, and, and you talk about our business. When you're in Memphis on Monday, Louisville, Kentucky on Tuesday, Evansville, Indiana. Now, this is every week. I don't yep. care. It's never not there. Right. And they sell out every week. Every week. The craziest thing you ever can imagine. Uh, the greatest, uh, uh, you know, at that time in era of Memphis, man, you had the Moon Dogs, Jimmy Hart. You, <laughs> you had the Fabulous Ones. You had the Assassins. Uh, Frank Morrell did every gimmick yep. in the world. Man, he, here, Tommy Gilbert was Freddy Cougar. Man, it, it was the, <laughs> it was the greatest stuff in the world. Yep. That they put together. And what a learning spell that was. That's why I want to be in the business, guys. I've seen things that a lot of you don't know. But thank you, guys. It's an honor being on your show. And really, we could talk all day. Right. But I got to go to work. <laughs> okay. Understood. Yes, sir. Gotta travel to West Virginia, guys. All right. Well, yeah. thank, thank you for having me on your show. And okay. God bless you all. Thank you very much, Ricky. Have a great day. And thank you for being a guest on our show. Yes, thank sir. You. Thank you. Right. And, folks. We've been living the dream with Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. So I hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you follow Ricky's School of Morton podcast. And also he's on Instagram at Babyface Ricky Morton. His contact information is there for all of his endeavors, including booking and stuff. So check him out. He's still got what it takes to be a, a great wrestler in the ring. And keep keep rolling, Ricky. Keep rocking and rolling, really. Thank you, buddy. Get me on Twitter at Real Ricky Morton. Thank you, and everybody, hope you all enjoy the show and have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us online at benandrodney.com and follow us on Instagram at benwilsonmiami.com.